Now playing is brought to you in part by the 6000 SUX. It's back. Big is back because bigger is better. 6000 SUX, an American tradition. The 6000 SUX. I'd buy that for a dollar. All Detroit has a cancer. The cancer is crime. We need a 24-hour-a-day police officer. A cop who doesn't need to eat or sleep. A cop with superior firepower and the reflexes to use it. It gives me great pleasure to introduce you to the future of law enforcement. You call me RoboCop. This is now playing's RoboCop Retrospective Series. I like it! Hosted by Arnie. This guy is really good. He's not a guy, he's a machine. Jacob. If he just talked things out with people instead of firing that big gun of his. And Stuart. You're perfect. I must have you. Their prime directives are serve the public trust, provide detailed plot spoilers, and use harsh language. Bad language makes for bad feelings. Listener discretion is advised. Oh, yeah. Go get him, boy. Today we're discussing RoboCop, Prime Directives, Dark Justice, starring Paige Fletcher, Maurice Dean Wint, Maria Del Mar, Anthony Lemke, Leslie Hope, <laughs> nobody I've ever heard of. <laughs> oh my god, last week I was saying it was be David Hasselhoff with a copper pot on his head. I should be so lucky. My God, who are these infiltrators? <laughs> and directed by Julian Grant. I'm Arnie, and I'm just doing what I have to do. <laughs> Apparently I am too, Stuart in LA. And this is your part man, part machine, all podcasting host, Jacob. Though I feel weird even referring to those RoboCop films, even RoboCop 3. I should just say, yes, I am wearing my asshole as a necklace for this podcast. <laughs> I think they all are. I think they're 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 all showing their ass on this one. I had a feeling. You know, I guess I felt like that's what we're getting this week is what we would have gotten last week. Maybe that's why I wasn't so cruel to RoboCop 3 was that I felt like it was going to get worse. And boy, did it live down to my expectations here. Four of these movies were only one fourth of the way here. Oh, boy. Well, there's a lot to talk about with this, I really believe. I may be disagreeing with your opinion on this one, Stuart. We were kind of on the same page with RoboCop 3, but if you're saying this is worse than 3, we may have blows. Uh, okay, well, here's the thing. I don't have curiosity to discuss what is presented in this movie, but I have great curiosity to know why and how this became into being. I, I, I understand Orion died, and that RoboCop 3 was just kind of shunted out with everything else that they had lying around. But how did it wind up in the hands of nefarious Canadians who <laughs> apparently never even saw the RoboCop movies? Well, they didn't get released, did they? Why are we doing them, Arnie? You have a lot of explaining to do. Yes. It all started with RoboCop the TV series. After RoboCop 3 failed, it was thought that RoboCop could succeed in syndicated television, and this was the 90s. It wasn't necessarily War of the Worlds, Star Trek, The Next Generation time, but it was Hercules and Xena and that kind of show. Syndicated TV was still very popular, 
And so they did a RoboCop TV series, made 22 episodes. I've seen about half of them. Yeah, I watched a few of these just in preparation because I always thought that what we're going to review over the next four shows was the TV show. And then I remember, no, there was another TV show before that. And so I watched a few of them and I kind of dug them. They're completely campy. It's almost like Batman 66 meets Robocop, but it had more of that Vorhoven feel, I think, than what we reviewed last week. It felt more like a comic book. It was more tongue-in-cheek. I'm surprised Matt Frewer didn't show up as some kind of Max Hedrum-like enemy to fight <laughs> Robocop, but it felt like it was in that spirit. I think I would have rather reviewed that than Robocop 3, at least, that pilot for the original TV series. I will admit, I did get some Generation X flashbacks when I was watching the first few episodes. Interestingly enough, the pilot for that TV series back in 94 was one of the original scripts for RoboCop 2 reworked as a pilot for a TV series. And we're going to see elements in the movie for we're going to review for tonight. Well, I'm glad I only saw that once. I, I have no <laughs> interest in RoboCop, the TV series. Honestly, I thought this was RoboCop, the TV series. My understanding was Prime Directives was a miniseries that kicked off a TV series, but that's not it at all. This came afterwards. Yes, this came, depending on what country you're in... <laughs> Seven or eight years after. Well, we're talking about the TV series for a reason. Not only to fill in where RoboCop had been for all this time, but that TV series was created by CTV. Do you guys get that network on your cable company, CTV? No. Canadian TV? What, is, what does yes, that stand Canadian for? Canadian Television Network. No, it was just a guess. I, I looked, basically, my tip-off was I looked at this cast and tried to figure out who and what and why. And I saw a lot of names associated with Cube, the sci-fi Canadian movie that was kind of a cult hit, and The Hitchhiker. There was a lot of Canadian-ness to this uh, cast and crew. So I just presumed that must be where this came from. What I didn't realize in 2000 and 2001 is that it was CTV and owning the rights to the RoboCop character for a TV series that created RoboCop Prime Directives. Their license was about to expire on the RoboCop character. They wanted to do something else, maybe a cash grab or maybe a resurrection, no matter how you want to look at it. They didn't have a whole lot of time. Or money. Or talent. <laughs> and so they decided to make four RoboCop movies, all under the header RoboCop Prime Directives. Four because of uh, he has four Prime Directives? If he had only had three, if they had erased that fourth one that was Don't Attack OCP, it could have just been a trilogy because, man, I, I'm quite sure we could have just cut this down by two hours. Or if that doctor had her way, this could be 284 episodes. <laughs> That's right, the <laughs> second movie. That's true. It could be a lot worse. <laughs> I didn't know any of this television background when I stumbled upon the RoboCop Prime Directive's website way back in the year 2000. Is that RoboCop-PD.ca that they throw in at the end credits? Yes, it is. The site is no longer up, but I don't know how I came upon it. I think as a RoboCop fan, I was just kind of looking around for RoboCop and seeing where he was and ran across that they were making for RoboCop movies. That is what they called them were RoboCop movies being produced up in Canada. And I was very, very excited because, first of all, it was the year 2000. And to contextualize this for our younger listeners, 
You may not realize there was a time before every actor, director, and writer was living on Twitter and you could share your thoughts with them and hear their behind-the-scenes commentary. In 2000, it was basically Julian Grant and Kevin Smith were on the internet, and you'd heard of one of those guys. Julian Grant was out there pimping RoboCop Prime directives, and he'd be talking on the message boards to the eight of us who were following the production of these movies. He was calling them movies and producing them as four separate movies, and I was so anxiously awaiting their release. And I, he said they were going for R-rated violence and a return to the Verhoeven style, and it was going to be a soft reboot like we'd seen with Halloween H2O and things. They weren't going to necessarily come out and say we're flushing everything the sequels did, but all they were trying to do was make a follow-up to the original Verhoeven film in that original Verhoeven style. So they were going to do a Superman Returns. Skip the sequels they didn't like and adhere to the good ones. Exactly. Which was not too far away temporally from this. It was the thing to do before you just rebooted. Robocop will have both of these, I guess, in his future. And so I am following this, waiting. I knew they weren't going to be theatrical movies. There was never put out there that they would be theatrical movies. Then why did you think they would be R? Because he said they would be. He said that there was going to be nudity and blood and cursing. And if memory serves, I don't think it's in this one or I blinked, but there's some booby shots in some of these movies. These are harder films than at least RoboCop 3. And so I was excited for these, even as direct-to-video, as a return to the glory days of RoboCop. And then it couldn't find any DVD distributor to release them in the States. It was released up in Canada... I thought about going to the Great White North to see RoboCop. (laughs) (laughs) Only you, Arnie. (laughs) Yeah, this is, yeah, really. I mean, this is maybe one step above a fan film. I didn't (laughs) know that, though. You have to understand. I was reading online plot summaries and going, I don't know what I think about that, but I just got to see it. I just need to see it. It's just because I'm not seeing it that RoboCable isn't sounding good. (laughs) Finally, they found somebody in the States who would take it. The Sci-Fi Channel. Mm. Home of uh, Man-Thing and uh, some of those children of the corns. Yeah, I think uh, we're going to see some of their work. And Necropolis and Rave oh, to yes. the Grave. Yes. And I've talked so many times on this podcast about how I had to learn the really hard way that if a movie is premiering on Sci-Fi, it's going to suck ass. This was my first time experiencing the soul-crushing disappointment of anticipating a movie that's going to premiere on sci-fi, only to realize it truly is of the quality of Mansquito. They did say that because sci-fi was television, they'd have to edit out the cursing, they'd have to edit out the nudity. And so I could definitely tell where some cuts were made in the TV production. But wow, it was just a heartbreaking thing. So by the fourth night, I almost didn't watch. And then when it came out on video, it's really more confusing. We talked about this last time. They didn't release this as one set. There's no box set of Prime Directives. You have to get four separate movies at a $20 MSRP each. I'll buy that for a dollar. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I'd spend that much. No, I mean to actually make this production. I think that's what they spent, one Canadian dollar. (laughs) That's worth more than an American dollar these days. But 
they finally came out on video here. I didn't buy them. I actually was holding off thinking, oh, they'll come down in price and release a box set. They never have. Lionsgate Home Entertainment put these out. They're still in print. Mm. (laughs) And I guess the big question I had, and we discussed this, is, is this a mini-series with Stephen King? We have opened the door for now playing to do TV miniseries. And is this a miniseries that is contiguous and we do one podcast and make it a biggin and just get it over with? Or That's what I wanted to do. <laughs> or is this four separate movies? And I think everything in the marketing tells us this is four separate movies. I was arguing from an uneducated standpoint when we were discussing the scheduling of this. Yes, I was... Along your lines of thinking, Arnie, partly because of the way Netflix delivered it, the titlings of each of these being an individual installment, but now, clearly, having only seen one of the four, I have not gone forward, I I can honestly tell you, I wish that we were covering it all in one cast. I do wonder how any of the other three could be better in quality than what I'm getting here. I just feel like, at best, there might be nominal differences, but... Yeah, this is all one thing, and whoa, is it not RoboCop. And uh, I knew what we were getting. I have seen these before. I wasn't as tuned in as you, Arnie, with the internet and all that. You know, I, I, like I said, I thought this was the other TV show that I had heard of, and it was on Netflix Instant for a while, like back in like 2007, 2008, and I found it. I'm like, hell yeah, that RoboCop TV series is going to kick ass. And I watched all four during the weekend, I think all on a Saturday. I think I watched one right after the other. And yes, here I am revisiting it now for the second time. And you still love RoboCop. I love that first one. Yeah, it's a testament (laughs) to how good that first movie is that we're still here after all these sequels. I just pray the reboot is good so we can end on a high note. Because I'm with you, Stuart. I do think that this is four separate movies. I mean... Lionsgate will make you buy it four separate times. Not me. You couldn't make me. (laughs) Netflix makes you add four things to your permanent record of what you viewed. (laughs) Which is worse than a school permanent record, I want to tell you, because your school permanent record isn't sold to marketing companies. But it may be like Lord of the Rings, where the story is contiguous and the characters continue. But yes, this is four movies. We're going to rapid fire them, folks. We're not going to waste your time. We're not going to waste our time. We're going to put out one today, one Friday. Get through these pretty quick. Oh, I thought you meant I wouldn't have to watch the rest of them. So you are going to waste my time. All right. <laughs> your time, not the listener's time. I was speaking to the listener. <laughs> okay. Arnie, give him the plot. It's been 10 years since Robocop hit the streets, and the cyborg is feeling old. He continues to fight crime. In fact, he's the only cop still on the streets with a gun, but he's having an existential crisis as to why he was brought back to life and what his grand purpose is. But he has to put all that behind him thanks to an OCP plot. See, OCP is still around. Delta City is now a reality, but they're running deep in the red. The CEO, the old woman, needs a big success. So exec Damien Lowe pitches the Saint Computer System, the Sentient Artificial Intelligence Neural Net Terminus, otherwise known as they just wanted to call it Saint and backworded in words that would somehow match that. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Saint would start by running every aspect of OCP's tower and then could be deployed in every building in all of Delta City. 
But another exec at OCP, Sarah Cable, head of security concepts, basically the new Dick Jones, is feeling the heat. Her desire for promotion, mixed with dubious intentions, has her assemble a secret cabal of OCP execs ready to align against the old woman and keep OCP afloat with Cable at the head. Joining this group is James Murphy, the adult son of Alex Murphy, otherwise known as Robocop. But James doesn't know that his father was resurrected. To help discredit OCP, Sarah Cable outfits all Delta City police with non-lethal weapons and brings her ex-husband, John Cable, in as the new lead of OCP security. But Cable awakens memories within Robocop. Back when Murphy was human, he and Cable were partners and best friends. But their friendship ended when they were investigating a noise complaint of a barking dog, and they discovered the dog was eating human remains. The home was owned by a serial killer known as the Motor City Mangler. The two cops investigate and find a living captive, but Cable is captured by the Mangler and a Mexican standoff occurs between Murphy and the Mangler. Cable tells Murphy to shoot the Mangler anyway, even if it means Cable's life, but Murphy refuses and relinquishes his weapon. Cable then breaks free, and while they could have captured the Mangler and taken him in, Cable kills the man in cold blood, saying the Mangler would get off as they didn't have a warrant to enter the home. Cable is given a Medal of Valor for stopping the Mangler, and Murphy requests a transfer which is when he's transferred to Metro South, where he'd be shot and killed. Robocop tries to keep his identity a secret, but Cable figures it out anyway, and the two investigate a new vigilante on the streets, the Bone Machine. That was my nickname in my clubbing days, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Great pixie song, not such a great villain. <laughs> Robocop realizes Bone Machine's large guns were built by OCP. Cable confronts his wife, so Sarah tries to have John killed. First, she has someone sneak in to reprogram Robocop with a new fourth directive, Terminate John Cable. Then she goes to Bone Machine, real name Albert Bixler, another cop who was on the beat with Murphy and Cable back in the day, and asks Bone Machine to kill her ex. Finally, she goes to the media and tells them John Cable is Bone Machine. Robocop fights, his human nature resisting the programming to kill his friend, but he still shoots Cable in the leg. Cable stands there, ready to be killed, basically begging Robocop to shoot him, when Bone Machine comes in. And Robocop stands around while Cable fights Bone Machine, and finally Robocop gets a hold of himself and attacks Bone Machine, who grabs Cable as a hostage, recreating the Mexican standoff from ten years earlier. But this time, Robocop gives in to his programming and shoots Cable, and then takes out Bone Machine, savagely stabbing him repeatedly with his spiky Data Jack fist thing. Saddened by killing his friend, Robocop returns to his chair, unaware that at OCP, Sarah Cable is conspiring to have her husband brought back to life as Robocop 2.0, as credits roll. There's a lot going on in this movie, honestly. I have to say, it's because they are setting up so much for the future installments here. There's so much going on at OCP. They're building this saint system. They're talking endlessly about saint. Saint never comes online in this entire movie. I don't even understand the point of saint. How is building automation going to save the day? I didn't clamp have that back in the nineties. But doesn't the PowerPoint convince you? They, it takes one <laughs> cartoon graphic of a bopping, what is that? A washing machine or something? <laughs> That's it. That's all that the old woman needs. She signs off on it instantly. Give me that by Friday. 
literally the plan is step one, saint. Step three, profitable. Don't know how that what goes yes. in the middle there. Marjorie happens to walk in during that little cartoon graphic of the washing machine. And she goes, what are you watching? It would have been less embarrassing if I'd walked in and you were jacking off. (laughs) (laughs) You know what's funny is in the pilot for the TV series, they have a similar plot. It makes sense. It's They explain it really quickly. Hey, it's going to just control. It's going to automate, you know, doing all the signals and all that stuff. We have millions of computers doing one computer instead of millions saves us money. Like they're able to convey that in this cheesy, campy television show within like 30 seconds. I have no idea what's going on in this film where you get an hour and a half. I can't say that I can ever recall OCP designing a successful robot. Sure, let's all go work and live inside a building that's run by one of our robots. That they couldn't possibly go wrong. I, I spoiler alert for part four. I can tell where this is going to go, but <laughs> it's not the plot of this movie. You're right. This is set up here. All we're really learning is that Delta City has happened. It's been ten years, and the dream is real. They now there is no more Detroit. It is the the utopia that was promised. Although, of course. Uh, less utopian. I guess they don't have weapons. The logic is backwards. If we don't present any weapons to criminals, then there won't be any criminals because they won't feel persecuted. Yeah, this isn't Los Angeles. We have our rules. Pepper spray and tasers. That's it. It's like Canada. Wait, that's where this was. Oh, wait, that's London. (laughs) (laughs) Canada, London. I don't know if there's much of a difference. More is filmed to Canada. More French is spoken in Canada. Yeah, it is a different Detroit than we've seen before, although they do mention, I mean, they said that they're not really taking the previous RoboCop films into continuity, but they talk about how RoboCop helped clean up Cadillac Heights, so that was RoboCop 3, right? Yeah, he flew in and blew up that tank, we all saw it. (laughs) And they actually have a montage celebrating RoboCop here at the beginning, and it looks more expensive than anything we see in the rest of the episode. But then I realized I've seen some of those shots before. They're not from the RoboCop theatrical films because they didn't have the rights to the footage. They're actually from the RoboCop TV series. That's a totally different RoboCop in those scenes. Well, it's a totally different RoboCop. I mean, I never thought I'd say this, but I'm missing Robert John Burke. I mean, who? Paige Fletcher. I remember HBO's anthology horror series, The Hitchhiker. He would show up and say something mysterious on the side of the road, and then we'd watch a little horror episode, and that would be it. But this is their big star here. This is their get for this new world. We don't even have Johnson back. We don't even have the news guy back. Nothing remains of the original trilogy. They did try to get Burke back, but he didn't want to because of money. They did try to get the TV actor back to reprise RoboCop that he'd done in the TV series, but... He either was unavailable or didn't want to. There was talk about Peter Weller, but nobody's even sure if they approached him or not. So we got Paige Fletcher. (laughs) Here's the thing with Fletcher. Like, this is... All I notice on Robocop is that nose. Like, how does that hood, how does that, you know, tin pot get over that nose? And here's the... It's all because of this horrible makeup. When you see him in flashbacks as Murphy, and he's got hair... He looks normal. I don't notice this big honking nose, but this makeup is so cheap. Like, we wondered at Peter Weller when he takes off his mask, and you like, where does the face 
end and the makeup begin. You got these wires and pieces of skin. Not even in RoboCop 3 were the effects this bad. Like, it's just so cheap looking. And this makeup is so awful. It, I want RoboCop to keep his mask on. I don't know if you've ever seen this picture where I think it was the Boy Scouts of America did this RoboCop thing with Nixon. And it was pretty awful. It was like a homemade RoboCop suit. Probably looked better than this. And I'm glad I'm not the only one who noticed that nose. That thing. I was like, how does the helmet go on him? It is terrible makeup. I noticed very instantly, because I was so astounded in the first one, how the face went over the mechanics. Yeah, they just put an appliance on the back of his head, and what was great, that horrifying rivet looks like somebody stuck a nickel on his forehead. Yes! Which was their budget, by the way. It's not the the nose that's bothering me, it's it's the height. I mean, Robocop, he's supposed to be intimidating, right? <laughs> in any given shot, he's at least a foot shorter than anybody else in here. I mean, he's not Robocop, he's like Ram Man or something. I mean, he's <laughs> tweaky. I think he's going for tweaky here. Where I really notice it is he, like, walks up to check out his son, and his son's in the, the, the police station, and he, like, hears his name is James Murph, and he, like, walks up to him and eyes him up, because he's way <laughs> shorter, he's, like, a foot shorter than the guy, like, it is, they couldn't afford a milk crate for this guy to stand on in the shot. Yeah, he was a good head shorter than his son, and it does not do him any favors, because he's in this Robocop suit. The man is thin. When you see him in the flashback scenes, he's thin. He looks puffy. He looks like Michelin Man in this RoboCop suit. Even that other TV series had better production values than this one. I don't know what the budget was for that, but it was infinitely better than this one. This is monstrous. I mean, this suit is barely holding together. It feels like it could fall apart at any given moment. And it's the performance, too. I just feel like the movements. He does a lot with his jaw. He's like trying to emote... By, like, moving his jaw all the time and his lips. I feel like he feels like because he doesn't have his eyes and the rest of his body that he's going to get all the emotion out through the lower half of his face. But it's a terrible performance. Just awful. It is. It makes me wonder why they didn't go with, like, a stuntman or something for this role. Because even though there's a lot of talking, I mean, you need somebody with the physicality to be RoboCop. And this isn't it. You do need maybe a thin guy, and stuntmen are often muscular. You just need somebody who's taller. And, yeah, you need to have him, like, Tom Cruise platform shoes the whole time if you're going to do this. Right. He's not the first actor that's cheated his height. I mean... The difference is the others cheated. He just came right out and I'm short. Yeah, the, the cinematographer did him no favors. I mean, they're shooting down on him. I mean, it, it is it is horrible. <laughs> Not that even Peter Weller could elevate what battle he's given here. I mean, the first standoff, we get him early. We complained last movie that RoboCop didn't show up for 15 minutes. Well, we get him early, but is anyone like this standoff at the Chelsea Clinton savings and loan? Ha! I chuckled. <laughs> well, you should feel ashamed. <laughs> it's a suicide bomber gang. And, like, they're literally, like, running out and just blowing themselves up on the steps. And they're like, we need to use lethal force. Why? They're just blowing themselves up. <laughs> yeah, they didn't take anyone with them. Yeah. We don't negotiate, we detonate. <laughs> they have hostages, but they have no demands. Yes, it's weird. <laughs> just let them detonate, then. <laughs> yeah, Napalm Joe, do your thing. <laughs> but before we're introduced to RoboCop, we're introduced to John Cable, the new police officer, who wants a gun, but yeah, like you said, Jacob, it's not L.A. Robocop comes in, shoots one of these bomb guys in the head, and Cable's like pissed. Like, why are we even needed anymore? 
Yeah, what I don't get it, like, they make this big deal about non-lethal force. You still have fucking RoboCop walking around the city. This is what I don't get. Do they not know RoboCop's walking around the city shooting people? Is this the first time he shot someone in 10 years? I don't understand. Why have they not deactivated RoboCop if they don't want lethal force? It should be as simple as a flipping a, a switch. I agree. It's, it, he's not needed anymore. That is the conflict, is that he feels obsolete, and indeed he is. In this environment of non-weapon enforcement, you wouldn't go with a machine like RoboCop. You wouldn't put it out on the street at all. I don't understand if they have this mandate that only use tasers in harsh language, why he is in a squad car to, uh, at all. I feel like the plot would have been better off if we had seen the failures of the Utopia and then maybe someone like Cable says, let's put my guy back on the street. Cable knows that this is his old partner, right? That back in the day, this was his flesh and blood partner. But I'm not sure how many other people realize that this is a cyborg. And I don't think he realizes it this early on. I think he figures it out midway through the movie when they're playing chess. During a chess flashback. But I feel like that would have been the time to bring in RoboCop. Or maybe, you know, that he, I don't know. I, I can't rewrite this thing. It's, it's too far gone. But I feel like the implementing of RoboCop, like most of this movie, poorly done. And yeah, giving him a bad villain. I guess the real villain comes after the bomb gang. We also get our first bone machine attack. He was introduced in the news report that led into this whole affair. And we find out that he's been doing massive de devastation, $90 million in property, 114 people are killed, and now he's here for unknown reasons cackling. Well, is he a good guy or a bad guy? Because I take him as a vigilante. He's here to stop the bomb gang. He's here for the same reason as RoboCop. Yeah, he's just more destructive. At one point, at the beginning, it says he just blew up the ghetto. Like, I, he seems like a bit more extreme. He'll eliminate poverty, literally, by eliminating everyone. My sense is that he is a killer, and that's the way that the news media presents him, is that he causes unwanted damage and, and destruction and loss of life. So I don't think of him as being like RoboCop. I think of him as being RoboCop's enemy, not a potential future friend. I take that because he's wearing a bone mask for a face, yes. or actually whatever they got at Spencer Gifts. I just don't understand this guy's M.O. He has machine guns, big ones, on his arms. I think that's all you're supposed to get. Big ones. I mean, like, they took waste baskets and put them on his <laughs> hands. Quite literally, probably what they did. But most of this story doesn't even really take place in this future Delta City. What's weird is that once they get into the movie, once we get to know Cable and RoboCop, the real story is about who they were before and catching a serial killer. Yeah, there's a lot of flashbacks in this movie, and I was trying to figure out why there were so many flashbacks, but it, it finally pays off about three-quarters of the way through. But all the backstory is... All right. Yeah, you're going to have to tell me how this pays off, because I don't think mm. it does. They repeat shots from the past as they do in the future. I don't know if that's a payoff. Before I get to that, I'm going to bitch more about Paige Fletcher's casting. Because <laughs> is he not the oldest Alex Murphy? It's supposed to be before Murphy was assigned to the department and killed. And yet, they can't even afford hair dye to get the gray out of this guy's hair. Is some just for men too much to ask in Canada? That might be a little too nitpicky. I, I think he's fine when he's playing Murphy in the past, even if he looks too old. He's what I would expect from a TV show, at least. Yeah, I'm focusing more on how terrible Cable is than RoboCop, but Murphy, 
when that dynamic is unfolding, I just think that this guy with the stash and the cigars and his chess advice and all of this is just, what show does he think he's in? I think he's very resentful that he's not in a Kojak remake or something. He really wants to be the star of this thing. And I just don't get why everything is about him. I honestly thought they were telling us he was Bone Machine and that we would find out that he would slip off and put on this suit when no one was looking to, for reasons unknown. I thought for sure that that's what we were supposed to imply. Except Bone Machine was shown as white. Well, it's not really clear. I mean, the color, the cinematography in this, there's a lot of gels and stuff. I couldn't tell Fleshstone. This is called Dark Justice because everything is shot in the dark. Yeah. Cable, you mentioned that mustache, and when we're in the present day of this, I'm wondering what the hell is with this Yosemite Sam mustache that they've obviously pasted on him. And then we go to the flashbacks, and I do realize, yes, it is just bad makeup mustache because he doesn't have the stash in the flashbacks. I do wonder if they perhaps couldn't afford catering for this because the actor who plays Cable chews up the scenery throughout. I kind of enjoy it. It it, it is awful. He's awful. Awful. It's awful in that, like, just so over the top, so bad. At least I'm able to laugh with it. Like, every time he's on there trying to act like the pissed off cop, I'm laughing. I find it entertaining and for the wrong reasons. I don't think he's awful with a capital A the way you guys are implying. I mean, I've seen Louis Gossett Jr., Academy Award winning Louis Gossett Jr. do worse. That's who I'm thinking back to. <laughs> yeah. I'm seeing this. That's what it's reminding me of. That's Perhaps that's why I'm enjoying it. I don't think he's as hammy as, as Lou Gossett, but, he, but he's, he's, I don't know. I, the performance is awful. I think it's just the fact that I'm paying more attention to him and his divorce and everything that's happening. Murphy, again, they've never made a Robocop movie in which Murphy's story matters. I always feel like even in the first movie, he's just a stand in. We're supposed to feel bad for him or we're supposed to root for him, but we're not really supposed to ask any questions about who he is as a man. And, that's a mistake. Why they give all the story to Cable, I just don't understand. But in a way, this is Cable's story. Much like in the original RoboCop, Alex Murphy died and was resurrected as RoboCop. I mean, as I spoiled in the plot summary, this is Cable's becoming RoboCable. Yeah, and Vorhoven was able to do that in 20 minutes. Here, we're going to take 90 I didn't know that. I just want to say I never anticipated that. What you're talking about is a reveal that came in the last seconds of this movie. I have not seen any more. I did not know that Robo Cable was coming, and nor would I have wanted it if I had known. Spoiler! <laughs> it would have made sense as to why they were paying this character so much attention. Again, I half thought that maybe he was in on the Bone Machine conspiracy. It has something to do with this mangler that they keep bringing up. The Motor City Mangler. Yeah, we see in flashbacks, long before we see the whole reenactment, that he's being held at gunpoint by this man and that Murphy has to decide whether to shoot or not. But eventually, somewhere in the middle of this thing, we finally get this really bizarre reveal of the killer they've all been searching. Comes from a dog. A dog, by the way, no one ever sees. They climb a fence <laughs> and they claim that they're looking in his doghouse chewing on a bone, but it's all done through actor's expression and dialogue. They don't even have the budget to show a dog <laughs> chewing on a bone. Yeah, Ar Artie, isn't this the uncut director's vision, the R-rated one. They can't show the dog eating, eating a damn leg or a hand or something? I think Stuart's right. I think there wasn't a dog. I think <laughs> the dog handler was too much to ask for. I mean, I'm looking at the DVD. This is rated R by the MPAA. 
Take that for what it's worth. They had it in their budget to actually submit this to get rated? Well, yeah. Lionsgate Home Entertainment, yeah. They're gonna get more people. They probably, you know, begged for an R rating for it, because it didn't seem that shocking to me. But Yeah, this movie should be restricted, but it does not pass for an R as the Americans understand it for violence and language and, and content. I mean, later they break into the basement of the house and find some ribs in a, a freezer or something that I guess are supposed to be the carcasses of the people he's met. Is he a cannibal? Is he... Who is this guy? I mean, not that it's worth pursuing too much, but we're just <laughs> supposed to think that he's a psychopath. I mean, that he just cuts up people and throws them in his freezer. There's a girl in the freezer, and he's probably going to tear her ribs out at some point, too. There's a girl upstairs, corpse, watching TV. I'm not really sure what the M.O. is, but it's been a decade since Silence of the Lamb, so they're just expecting us to believe he's yet another psycho killer on screen. Yeah, I... Just need to point out one big plot point of this movie is completely false. And perhaps because it was created by Canadians and they don't understand the U.S. justice system. You're going to talk about probable cause, right? Yes, yes I am. (laughs) I was thinking the same thing. A police officer does not need a warrant if they believe that there is probable cause that there is a crime actively being committed at that time. Seeing human bones being eaten by a dog. Now, I don't even know how they know they're human bones. Cow legs are pretty long, too. But if you see human bones being eaten, you have probable cause to open that door. But yet the whole thing is all this conversation about, we don't have a warrant. There's human bones. Go in. No judge is going to overturn that. Yeah, the whole scandal is that after this whole hostage situation, Murphy puts down his gun and blah, blah, blah. Cable ends up shooting the Motor City Mangler. And he's like, well, I had to because he would have gone free because we were illegally entering his house. Cable's been watching too much Nightmare on Elm Street. (laughs) I don't know. I just maybe because this is dark justice, you know, Oh, he shot a cannibal. Oh, well, I'm not going to get too upset over it. It's a phony baloney problem that they create between the partners that basically Murphy never forgives. I'm not sure why they don't arrest him. Yeah, he thinks he's going to get off on the technicality. Right, yeah, so... And he just can't wait for all the neighborhood people to burn the person. (laughs) Yeah, that's what we must swallow here, is that he takes the law in his own hands, he kills him, and Murphy is so horrified that I think he requests the transfer. I think this is a retcon here that he actually goes to the precinct where there's more crime uh, because he doesn't want to be the partner of this guy anymore. That retcon pissed me off until I finally was able to re-retcon it in my own mind <laughs> that maybe he requested a transfer and then Bob saw the transfers and was able to put him in a dangerous department. If you must, I really don't want to tie this. I'm not even thinking that much about this film. Yeah, I. why do you want to tie this to Robocop? I, there's nothing here that I want to keep. Let it go free. Let it run wild. But the rest of this is is now that these partners that have had a falling out, this drama will replay itself when Cable and Robocop are facing off against a new serial killer, or whatever he is, Bone Machine. It's supposed to be same thing a decade later. Yeah, there's a lot of parallels here. For some reason, Cable keeps playing the exact same chess game that has the exact same moves. 
By the way, that move can be defeated. He like moves the the rook right next to the king. The king could take that out. I don't even understand how that's a checkmate. I'm a chess nerd. I paused it. There was a bishop guarding the rook, so the king couldn't move there. There was also a knight on the board. I didn't spend every moment to see if there was a way out of it, but yeah, the rook couldn't be taken by the king. I had the same thought. Okay, yeah, that was bugging me because I've I'm learning chess right now, and I'm like, I'll take that out. This does it didn't seem so badass. He never sold to me like he was a good chess player, but then again, he didn't even sell me that he's a good actor. <laughs> even during one of the flashbacks, like he beats Murphy, and Murphy's like, "Well, you cheated," and he's like, "No, you just didn't." Are we getting that he's not a good chess player? He just takes balls, he moves. Like I feel like this is supposed to build up the character. But it doesn't. You don't cheat in chess. There's no way to cheat in chess. It's not the Kobayashi Maru. These are kind of Blade Runner flourishes, though. This is like the Voight Comp or whatever. I feel like (laughs) there's that. And then they have that really bad attempt to do that cool thing from Blade Runner where they scan into a photo and look at on a microscopic level and determine that the wires are, in fact, OCP. I feel like there are times where they're filling in gaps, not with RoboCop, but with Blade Runner flourishes. I felt like that's all that they were doing with this chess stuff. I didn't get Blade Runner off anything in this, <laughs> but I do see how you could see the Voight-Kampf connection there. With the chess, I thought it was just something they had. Why was it chess instead of poker? I don't know, but it was a way for those memories to be linked and for Cable to then realize... RoboCop is indeed Alex Murphy. But meanwhile, we've got all this stuff going on at OCP with James Murphy, Alex's son, who out of all the characters at OCP, and there's many of them, James is the one who I'm most interested in because of that paternal connection. It said that his mother's dead. Both his parents died when he was young, and he became an OCP orphan, and he owes everything to them, and now he's an exec. Yeah, I actually like this. This is the one compliment I'm going to give this movie. This was a good character to bring in. If it's 10 years later, wouldn't it be something if that family that Murphy lost is back, but they're playing games with OCP? I I think that he's more loyal to the company than he is to his father. I think that's a cool dynamic. Again, I don't understand why he doesn't know that Murphy is RoboCop, because... That Robocop was stalking him. His mother certainly would have told him what that was. Maybe she died immediately after. (laughs) I mean, he did become an orphan. Maybe she left that conversation of, I did, they made this to honor him and ate a gun. Yeah, rehab came in and took them out of their home. We know that they were evacuated (laughs) from their home very quickly. It all ties together. I don't know why we're complaining. It's a very (laughs) tightly knit universe they've got going on here. Perhaps he, like Cable, he didn't have gold member access to the records. It's all about gold level. (laughs) I don't really care that he's palling around with Cable's ex-wife and their secret society underneath the... Yeah, they go into this Raiders of the Lost Ark-esque, you know, where they take the Ark and hide it away type warehouse where all the failed concepts are stored. What is it? This is like a cult of people that want to overtake OCP, like OCP employees that are going to rise up. They all like come from the shadows and I don't know, don cloaks and sacrifice animals. I thought OCP was a failure. Again, what have they ever presented that was successful? This is like Radio Shack. It's all shit, and yet somehow it's still in business. I don't get it. 
But OCP is just not a threat anymore. After the failure of the third movie, they should have had something else. I like the fact that Delta City got built, but I feel like it should have been under new management. And I just don't buy this conflict that they want to save the corporate essence of this company. I just, something about this needed tweaking. And again, the convenience that it's Cable's ex-wife, who divorced him so that she could have this career, palling around with Murphy's son, is just... It's a little too convenient, and it, so far, is going nowhere. Maybe they can do something with it later in the series. Very doubtful they can. I just found it really weird that she kept her last name. Like, there's no evidence that they had kids. No reason for her to keep her his name. Except, I guess they figured the audience was really stupid, and they had to really, you know, tie that link very explicitly and show that. And they- The audience is really stupid. The audience <laughs> is really stupid because there's continuing to watch. But what does that say for us? Uh, exactly. I accept my own <laughs> criticism, believe me. I'm hesitant to get too into this because I do wonder if this will be explained in a future movie in this Prime Directive series, but I really am trying to figure out Sarah Cable's plan here because she's got this group of executives to which she recruits James Murphy. Does she not like the Saint program because the no. Saint program could help the old woman? I think that she's just wise and was not blown over by that PowerPoint, as no one else would be. I think that she she says something to the effect of we're putting all our eggs in one basket. That's a kind way of saying you're really throwing it all away. I, I If she's loyal to this company, I think I needed to understand why. I understand why James is. We're told that he's an orphan that actually felt like the system helped him. But her, I just don't know why she's got this loyalty to what OCP used to be. She was not in any of the previous movies. In addition to that, she's the one who took away the cops' weapons. No. Yes. I thought it was that Sandra woman at the beginning that did that. Sandra is not the same thing as Sarah. It's very confusing, but that's a different woman. That's the passive woman at the beginning that's megaphoning that they need to not use bullets. That's not Sarah. But Sarah's in charge of security concepts. And I believe that it is explicitly stated that Sarah made that order. Oh, it might have been. I can't say that I was giving this my full attention, but I tried. <laughs> but I missed Sandra, so it's, and I watched it twice. So it's a little bit confusing in that regard. But I thought she took away the weapons from the cops because she was arming Bone Machine. She was sneaking Bone Machine OCP tech that looks like it was made by Acme. Yeah, Wiley Coyote is really missing that power jet suit thing. <laughs> Think this is going to be RoboCop 2? I don't understand why they're making Bone Machine. Yes, that's my next question. <laughs> okay, so no one knows. I know Stuart doesn't know. <laughs> no, don't ask me any why question. I really don't have any answer to that. So, I don't know why she's helping Bone Machine, but then on top of all of that, that's a lot of what the fuck, then... Why does she reinstate her ex-husband as the new bigwig? I don't know that we're ever given a real title for him, but he's a bigwig at OCP now in the police division. He doesn't have gold level access, so and he's answering to, to James Murphy, so he's not that bigwig. But yeah, he's... He's somebody. He, I think he has the, the level that Reed had in the original trilogy. We're supposed to think of him kind of like the Reed character. I don't see any transvestite hookers yelling at him. He's mostly playing chess. He has a much better gig than Reed. But he does, you know, he marches into her office and he 
says some snotty things like it could use a woman's touch. I mean, they're ex-lovers. I, I guess I don't need any more excuse to know why an ex would want to kill her husband. I mean, okay, she hates him. I don't know why he's there, but I also don't think she wants to kill him until he confronts her about Bone Machine and then she realizes he's a threat. He threatens to expose the program that, to this point, none of us understand. <laughs> And I don't know if that will change throughout yeah, the next three I agree. movies. We, we could get through the rest of the three, and I may still be wondering what Sarah hopes to do with a bone machine. <laughs> Besides the obvious. Boy, that I walked into that, didn't I? She doesn't have a husband anymore. It's true. It's true. It says a lot about Cable, doesn't it? But then Sarah really goes big when she decides to kill her husband. She goes to the press and says he's bone machine. She has somebody. Do we know who reprogrammed RoboCop? I didn't catch his face. No. No, it's just you just see some nefarious, shadowy character walk out of the lab. I thought it might be James Murphy, because James is kind of her new lackey. Yeah, it could be, but they didn't want to pay him for that day on set, so it was just a... <laughs> Just a PA running through the dark. <laughs> I do think that that's another mystery for the future, but we'll add it to our laundry list of you better explain this shit. I hope you're keeping that list, because I'm not. <laughs> so in addition to having all the police looking for Cable, because they think he's Bone Machine, and programming your only cop with a gun <laughs> to kill him, she then goes to Bone Machine and says, I want you to kill him. How many people is she going to get to kill her husband when he's dead? Are they all going to get together? I thought I was supposed to kill him. Robo goes after him and is only able to hit him in the leg, and he's conflicted, going between Directive 3 and Directive 4. I think it was after a failed attempt, then she finally got Bone Machine involved. Yeah, that was my sense, is, is that she maybe suspected that RoboCop wouldn't succeed. There's reason to believe that this guy couldn't pull it off. I mean, she sized him up, literally, probably, the ruler, and said, okay, this is not going to work. But Here's the thing. When she sends Bone Machine, she says to kill RoboCop and Cable. So, Bone Machine, Bixler will be reinstated as a cop. Who Who is this guy? Why do I care... That he's a vigilante all of a sudden, a vigilante cop. Like, this comes out of nowhere again, unless I miss something. No, it gets even more sticky here because Cable will eventually be, you know, held at gunpoint by Bone Machine, much like he was by the Motor City Mangler ten years prior, and Robocop will be back in the same position of having to shoot or not shoot. Except, originally, he was supposed to shoot the bad guy, and here Cable's telling him to shoot him? He's been standing there asking for that bullet for a long time. I don't know why Cable's suicidal, no. but even before the Mexican standoff, he's standing in front of Robocop going, shoot me, but you make sure it's a man who shoots me, because I don't want a machine to shoot me. Why do you want to be shot at all? Well, I think he's he's saying, originally, when they're both human in the flashback, he's saying, take the shot, so there's a chance he's Murphy's human, that he might hit him too, but he wants him to take the shot even if it hits him. When it's RoboCop shooting, he has laser-guided systems. There's no reason we saw him shoot between a chick's legs and hit a dude in the dick. There's no reason <laughs> that he has to take a risky shot here. No, no, yeah, There's no reason to believe that he wouldn't hit Bone Machine, but Cable is asking to be killed. I guess he's asking to be martyred. Maybe we're supposed to believe that he's been tormented 
by what he did 10 years ago, the unethicalness of it, that he rose to power with this. Maybe he just wants to give up. It's not clear. And I'd like to also add, he tells Murphy in the flashback, take the shot. Murphy puts down his gun, and then when the mangler goes to shoot Murphy, Cable overpowers the mangler quite handily and takes him out. I think Cable's better plan would have been, Murphy, put down your gun, because I'm going to overpower this fucker the moment the gun is turned off of me. And how are we supposed to feel like, okay, if the whole thing is that Cable feels like he must die to pay for his sin for shooting a cannibal? Let's not forget, that is his big crime. He shot a cannibal. Right. Something that Robocop himself would be celebrated for doing, but yeah, so that that he did this. I, I don't know. Robocop comes off as the bad guy here. This is the first time he's had a bum directive that he couldn't overcome. He gave in to Directive 4 and shoots Cable. That is the curious thing, is that I feel like he's done very little in this movie. I guess we're to presume that he does it because Cable asks him, and not because Sarah made him. But why is Cable asking? Oh, it's no, just, just lun lunacy on top of lunacy here. <laughs> yes, yeah. I'll give this film one other credit. I like the James Murphy character. After shooting Cable in a vital organ... Yes, it, it wasn't like shot in the leg like they do in so many movies to get them to fall down. Speed, specifically, where you shoot the hostage. That's right. In addition to shooting him in a vital organ, Robocop then shoots Bone Machine in a non-vital organ... So that he can go up, realize, oh, it's another cop that we used to pal around with. Very clumsy, yeah. One scene where they're talking by a newspaper stand, and how are you doing, Larry? Oh, I'm going to kill that guy if I ever find him. They just have him on screen so that you'll know who it is when the mask comes off. What's funny is, as soon as they have that scene, I'm like, he has to be Bone Machine, because there is no other fucking reason for him to be on the set having a line. And you were right. Then RoboCop brings out that spike and just goes psycho on him. Right before that, he he pulls off like one of his big Acme guns, and I swear it just fell off because <laughs> this costume's so cheap. It's horrible, but that's this. I was surprised to see the viciousness by which he shank. I mean, it's he's shanking Bone Machine. <laughs> bone Machine has the line "You're Bone Baby," but he's the one that gets it. And the blood spurting up and everything. Robocop is pissed. If he has the humanity to be doing this murder to Bone Machine, who really didn't do a whole lot. I mean, he didn't shoot. Every wound Cable suffered was done at the hand of Robocop. He did do a lot, if we're to believe those newscaster women. We didn't see him do much. No, we did not. He comes in. He laughs like a cartoon villain. He has animated explosions that are supposed to be bullets, but he doesn't effectively do anything to justify a death that we wouldn't even wish upon Clarence Boddicker. Yeah, that's, again, RoboCop has now shot another cop for no discernible reason, and as much as Rhea raved about the violence in Ro the RoboCop series, this, again, seems like too over the top for me. This, like, makes RoboCop look bad when he's repeatedly spiking. Yeah, Clarence Boddicker didn't even get a punishment like that. Yeah, and he had reason to go after Clarence. But yeah, this is, it is, I guess, a last feeble attempt to make us believe that they're capable of Vorhovianness when, I don't know, this is even more kitty to me than the last week's movie. I also think that it's supposed to say that Robocop's really torn up about the death of his partner, who he shot. And hasn't been a partner to for a decade. But yeah, yeah. 
But then it does have that final twist. You think Cable is dead, but he will be Robo-Cable. His wife is bringing him back to life after having him killed? I'm really confused. I'm hoping the sequel gives a why in addition to a what. Yeah, it's called Meltdown, and uh, I already thought things were <laughs> at a critical mass, but here we go for that, yeah. So, Jacob Stewart, do you recommend RoboCop Prime Directives Part 1 Dark Justice? <laughs> Jacob. Look, let me give the movie one compliment before I crap all over it. I do like most of the media breaks in this. I think they got that tone right, especially when, you know, they're announcing that Cable is really bone machine and they're like, next week, movie of the week, you know, cop gone bad. And then they clear Cable's name and they're like, cop finding justice. I, you know, I thought they got that pretty right. Look, the, the, there's no reason to really prolong the, the not recommend for this film. I'll just say as Cable's dying, he says the line, the world only makes sense if you force it to. Well, I can't even force this movie to make sense. So, yeah, strong not recommend. Stuart. It's just so depressing. It's like watching something die, honestly. This series is just like, I had a dog, Tramp. I grew up with Tramp. Tramp in his youth, you couldn't have a better dog. He brought me so much joy. And then I went away to college. I'd come home. How's Tramp doing? Well, he doesn't run as much, and he's he's looking a little feeble. And, you know, with each one, I come home. How's Tramp doing? He's looking a little bit worse for wear. I'm ready to let go of Tramp at this point. I can't bear the fact that we got to get through three more of this because this is, it's time to euthanize. I'm sorry. I loved you, Tramp. You were a good, good dog, but this is it. And I can't stand to watch you suffer. This is miserable, miserable, miserable movie making. I dare even call it that. TV squandering is what we have here. Strong not recommend for the rest of it, unless they pull something awesome out of here. Folks, just skip ahead until we get to the reboot. This is garbage. Halfway through watching this, I found myself so utterly unmoved that I'm like, I don't have a strong feeling in any direction on this. There's a lot of machinations going on with Saint and James getting messages from a mysterious source and all of these little mysteries are peppered throughout. And I'm like, I'm not enjoying myself. But if all of these mysteries, they're set there to pay off in future movies here. And if these do, then I don't know. I haven't watched these movies yet. I've only seen Dark Justice. So I don't know at that point whether or not this payoff is worth this setup. Again, I feel like it's looking at one act of a movie and that's becoming more and more the case, even with theatrical releases now, that they don't stand alone as much. And so I was really wondering, do I give this a not recommend and then at the end go back and say, well, turns out the whole journey was worth it. And then I get to the end and it's just a fucking mess. By the time we have the extended, extended flashback with the Mangler, the retcon of why Alex got transferred... And then the fourth directive not being overcome, RoboCop not being a hero. You're right, Stuart. This is depressing. RoboCop got boned, baby. Not recommend. Strong. The strongest. It'll be the strongest when I get to part four. Right now, it's just a not recommend. I gotta see where it goes and figure out what some of these mysteries are and see what happens with Saints and what happens with James. I don't remember. 
It's been 12 years since I've seen this. I do not remember. It'll probably end up being the strongest of not recommends. It's going to make this reboot look real good. (laughs) I do got to say, you know, if these were supposed to be four separate movies, I don't remember the other three. But with this one, I think you could have given a self-contained movie with a few little hints about what's going to come in further films. I I think that's good movie making. If you're going to do a franchise and the story, you know, drop some hints. Don't, you know, just cut off in the middle of a story. You know, all this stuff about Saint in this film could have been excised. It could have been a couple lines here and there. So much time is spent with these, like, bumbling scientists, like, trying to get Saint online. Of course, now we would have lost, like, a half hour of the film if we cut all that out. But it still would make this recommendable. But I think if the goal was to make four independent films or four standalone films that you could watch on their own, they could have done it at least with this first one. I think what we're supposed to understand is this first chapter, they should have just called it Bone Machine, but of course, no one would have rented that, or at least (laughs) rented it for the wrong reasons and been very disappointed. But this was the one for for Robocop to face off with Bone Machine. I'm going to presume that Meltdown is going to be about him versus Cable, that each entry, each directive will be a different foe, and that by the time we get to the last one, he'll be fighting the entire building and Saint. That's my prediction, but I don't even have any hopes anymore. I just want to get through it. (laughs) Well, we're going to get through it quickly. We will be back this Friday with the next one. Which one am I watching next, Jacob? We got Meltdown, and then after that, Resurrection. That's hopeful, isn't it, Stuart? Rebirth. (laughs) And then Crash and Burn, which (laughs) crashes and burns any hopes of of a good ending. I love that they're ending it that way. I do feel like that's appropriate. (laughs) It's like they've written the not recommend for us. (laughs) Mm. So, Jacob Stewart, thank you for joining me. We'll be back on Friday, folks. I'm so glad we've had this chance to dialogue. Thank you for joining us for Now Playing's RoboCop Retrospective Series. Bitches, leave. Dead or alive, you're going to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week for a new movie review podcast. You have 20 seconds to comply. While there, join our forums to discuss this review with other listeners. Dead or alive, you are coming with me. So give me your money and all of it and don't fuck with me! Your support helps keep Now Playing on the air. The line's open. Waiting for your pledge. You can find a link to donate using PayPal at the bottom of our homepage, nowplayingpodcast.com.
Well, we need all the help we can get, young man. It's only money. You can also find a link to our cafe press store where you can buy t-shirts, coffee mugs, teddy bears, and much more. I'd buy that for a dollar. <laughs> now playing is edited by Heath, Phil, Dylan, and Arnie. They'll fix you. They fix everything. Now playing credit narration by Brock. Keep him talking. The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Inganza Media Incorporated. Though you may think you're having fun now, you only hurt the one you love. The movies discussed in this series are the properties of their respective trademark holders and no infringement is intended. It's a free society. Except there ain't nothing free because there's no guarantees, you know. <laughs> you're on your own. There's a lot of jungle. <laughs> now Playing is not affiliated with Orion Pictures, Metro, Goldwyn, Mayer, Columbia Pictures, Fireworks Entertainment, or any other creative entity involved with these films. We did what we had to do. Now Playing is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2014. All rights reserved, and no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Venganza Media Incorporated. Okay, Funzo. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's get out of here. Good night, sweet prince. <laughs> Damn it, I, I've been really good in making notes for myself about, uh, you know, all the cast and things at the beginning, but I didn't do it for that one. Well, who yeah. are they? There's nobody. Yeah. <laughs> the guy from The Hitchhiker. Somebody that was in PCU, I got excited for you. <laughs> was there someone from PCU? <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about him. <laughs> yeah, because I missed him. <laughs> I don't know. Someone turned the camera on and put <laughs> film in there and... I don't know. This might have been shot on video. Who knows? <laughs> and this is your part man, part machine. And I forgot my line. Okay. <laughs> no, I... Hold on. I'm joking. <laughs> Did you just die? <laughs> Where'd he go? <laughs> I, I tried to hit the mute. I, I... Now playing is brought to you by The 6,000 Sucks. The 6,000 Sucks. I'd buy that for a dollar. Is that the Robocop-PA.CA that they throw in at the end credits? I thought that was RoboCopPD.CA. Oh, is it PD? I can't read my own handwriting. <laughs> I thought OCP was a failure. Again, what have they ever presented that was successful? This is like Radio Shack. It's all shit, and yet somehow it's still in business. <laughs> I don't get it. Can we put that in there, or will Radio Shack sue me? <laughs> we'll put it in. I don't, I don't right. think they have the money to sue. <laughs> That's true. What am I worrying? Are they going to fire up their Tandy and, and write me a, a, a The a next telex? time you're in there to buy batteries, they're going to ask you for your phone number and then track you down. Yeah, I'm not worried. Hmm.